Hey guys, be sure and check out the My Ambitions as a Writer blog where I, the Mrs. Morgan you know, Kate Morgan, shares my many opinions, stands with women everywhere, and stays rough and rugged addressing the mass public. Visit themorganyouknow.com slash blog. Enjoy! Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. The gang is all here. Welcome to another edition of the Flagship Sports Podcast here on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. I am your host. My name is Rod Morgan. Joining me is the producer of this and every other podcast on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. His name is James Jamriska. Jimmy, hello. Hello, Rod. How you doing tonight, Jimmy? You excited? We're gonna we're gonna we're trying a new recording format. You're gonna have to be two sets of your brain on at one time this evening. Are you ready to go? I'm a multitasker. I think I can handle it. Uh, as long as we don't, as long as it's just me and you, and I don't have to make very many edits, I don't have anyone overmodulated. It'll be fantastic. I can't wait. Just me and you. Let's do it. Well, unfortunately, Jimmy, that already I'm letting you down because we're gonna go to North Carolina and bring God in. Damn the- it. We're going to bring in the king of modulation himself. It's our friend, the old man, Chris. Chris King, hello. What is up? Thanks for the intro. Yes, we are going to talk a little bit of sports here on Balls and Brew. We try to talk about it the way that you talk about it with your buddies, whether in your group text thread or if you get together and have a few beers talking about sports. That's the way we'll do it here. And then... Uh, We don't do football any longer, all right? I don't want you thinking you're coming here for XFL, right? I know that you got used to stone-cold football takes on this podcast a little while from the football handicapper Josh Williams. He's on a vacation. He grinded the numbers for long enough. We're going to talk about other sports, not football. I got two quick things before we get to basketball, and Jimmy leads us on the fast break. First off, we aren't video yet on this podcast, but someday maybe. But I see Chris in your Hoosiers gear. You got your Hoosiers background. We got March Madness ahead. There's no question I use going to be in the tournament. How excited are you for your Hoosiers as we're rounding towards the Big Ten tourney in March Madness? Listen, as far as I'm concerned, this season is a complete success no matter what happens. We're going to make the tourney, and we beat Purdue twice. We beat Purdue twice. First time we beat... Purdue and Mackey Arena since 2013. All right, that's a big deal. And as IU fans, that's what matters. Mike Woodson finally got his first win in Mackey. You know, so it was it was a big, big, big season for IU, and we have a really good team now. Hopefully, we can stay healthy if we get Xavier back uh, before the tourney time. Hopefully, we can make it to that second weekend. I mean, I want to see us make it to the Sweet 16, but I am ecstatic. And already so because we beat Purdue twice. Hopefully we'll have that extra bye day by being the number two seed in the Big Ten tourney. Maybe we can get a run to the Big Ten tourney championship for once and maybe get that in there. So, big props That's just asking for too much. That's just asking for too much, and you know it. IU never has any luck (laughs) in the Big Ten tourney for some reason. Jimmy, people excited on the the campus. Bloomington, probably a a fire with with the win over the Boilers twice in one year. Oh, for sure. People were very, very tired the next day because I don't think anyone went to sleep. And Chris, the optimism in your eyes and your face and your smile is really, really sweet. Don't watch the first game of the tournament, Chris, because we know what's going to happen in the first round of the tournament. They get by the first round. Anything can happen. We know what's going to happen in the first round of the tournament, Chris. Well, we won't be in a play-in game this year. I think that definitely hurt us last year. (laughs) 
But we won our first game of the tourney last year. We didn't win the second game. I want to see us make it to the second weekend. I think this team's good enough to do that. All right. Well, we will uh, talk a little more uh, IU's path to hopefully the Sweet 16 and a little bit more about that when we tackle March Madness here in a couple weeks when the brackets come out. But something else that started that was a sport that used to be covered a little bit on this podcast when I first began it, but now I've decided that I don't like it any longer. And boy, do I not miss it one bit. But I understand they've rolled out a bunch of different rule changes this year. Spring training is underway and controversy already, Jimmy. I heard about on the regular nightly news with Lester Holt. That's how I want to defend everyone here. I was not searching out any baseball knowledge. I was watching the nightly news with Lester Holt, and this came up. So, Jimmy, new rule changes in baseball so far in spring training. Going swimmingly, I'm sure, right? I thought I thought Chris was the old man here. You're the one watching the nightly news with Lester Holt <laughs> by choice. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, so we've got a few new rule changes, and one of them is the pitch clock. And I will. Um, there's a huge meme video thing going around today all over the internet where uh, there's a Cubs game where the pitcher. Uh, pitches one pitch in the time it took uh, a game today, an entire half inning to play. That is awesome. Uh, the baseball, the pitch clock is fantastic. Uh, yes, guess what? The guy, the guy, we uh, had bases loaded. There were two outs, and he didn't get ready. And that was strike three. And guess what? That's the rule. Sorry about you. It's going to be in the next inning, and it's going to happen. So I love that rule. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is going to be able to have some more singles this year as well with that shift, and the shift really hasn't had any issues yet, uh, and the bases are bigger. So that's good too, I guess. Why not? All right, well, Chris, I mean, you you know, you, your boy Abner Doubleday, right? He was – you and him, you ironed <laughs> out the rules of baseball when you guys were between fourth and fifth period. So, I mean, you got to be all not happy about these rule changes, right? Listen, I really don't have a problem with the pitch clock. I think that's a good idea. There was a little bit too much no Mars going on out there. Now there's no more no Mars, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I would like to see a couple other things go into effect as far as the use of pitchers. If you bring them in as a relief status, they got to like at least go you know, more than just one batter. Um, I don't have a problem with the bases being a little bit larger either. I mean – as far as I'm saying, that's going to help instant replay. And if, well, I mean, as you um, get older, right, things always get larger. As you right? get older, I mean, you get yeah. larger. I need the books. big buttons on my phone. Yeah. I need, yeah. I need the big things on the TV. I need the bigger TV. I need to see. Sure. So, and I still have a problem with the shift. I'm sorry, it's it's defense, and you need to play defense to win championships. And if you take away defensive shifts, you're just making it so much easier to give up one of the biggest, you know, issues I have with the game. And it's the fact that these guys can't hit to the opposite field when it's wide open. If you want to get rid of the shift in baseball, learn how to hit to the opposite field. I mean, that's analytics. If you want to get a base hit, hit to where they're not playing. All right? It's clearly, gotta, it was just that simple because people were doing it so much over the years. So clearly, it's just well, that simple. We didn't need shifts until we stopped getting people who could actually hit for average and started no, getting no, just no, power no, hitters. No, old man, yeah. Chris. No, we didn't need shifts until someone realized, hey, let's shift somebody over there to uh, stop them from getting a hit. And once one person did it, 
Everyone did it, and it worked. And it worked so well, Chris, that the game became unwatchable because it was home runs and strikeouts. Why? Because you got 15 people. You got... Sorry, Chris. I'm sorry. You have eight people on the right side of second base when someone's hitting. Now, could they? Could, could you know someone work a little bit more in the cage? No, they yes. couldn't. They can't do that. It's not possible. That's a, a the shift. The shift was got a little too much. I'm sorry. So yeah, I, I, I think that you're going to watch better baseball now because the analytics said these players can only hit to the right side of the field. No, they shifted for the good of the game, okay? They didn't worry about what the players wanted. They didn't worry about what the salaries of the players might do or what people would say at the moment. They worried about the long-term future of the game, something that I believe we have brought up from time to time when it comes to basketball, which it is time to turn our focus towards because I literally about fell asleep right there when Chris started talking about whatever nonsense he was talking about going even older than I thought it was even possible for him to go when I allowed him to even talk about baseball. Chris is like, nope, hold my beer. I could go even older. And so I lost all interest. It is now time to turn it back over to the super producer of this podcast and allow me to be a take artist and not the driver. It's time for the NBA fast break. Welcome to the fastest 15 minutes in the NBA. It is the NBA fast break on balls and brew. I'm Jimmy Rod and Chris are still with me here. And gentlemen, we had a fantastic weekend of NBA basketball. I was able to watch uh, two of the four things I'm going to talk about here, which is really nice. But let's start where we always start. Our Sacramento Kings scored 176 points in a game and they won after coming back a few times against the Clippers, and that's not the first time we're going to talk about the Clippers here, Kings are 6-4 and four in their last 10. They have a pretty good grasp on that number three seed. Interesting how much a difference a week makes, isn't it, uh, Rod? It really is. It's almost as if yep. like I, I somehow performed the reverse kibosh on our Kings there, and I'm happy to have done it because it, they really they win a couple of games. They've got tiebreakers over these teams who are already fallen three and four games behind them in the loss column. And that's just going to be hard to make up as long as our Kings continue to play 500 basketball, which they have. And I wasn't aware that there were invitations sent out before that Kings Clippers games, that defense was optional, but my goodness, it certainly was that night. I mean, we're talking about a single overtime game goes 176 to 175. That's ridiculous. Or maybe it was double overtime. I don't remember. It might've been double. Overtime. It, it was, it, it, the, and the bookends to that, uh, as far as the most points scored, are like a quadruple overtime and a three overtime. And the best part in my in, in my mind is Mike Brown and Ty Lue are both both de- definitely defensive minded coaches, which is hilarious. Speaking of no defense being played, well, actually, we're going to stay with our Kings real quick. Uh, Chris uh, Perkins, uh, who obviously always has huge takes on on ESPN, had one that I didn't think it was that big of a take. He said Mike Brown should be coach of the year, hands down, for what he's done. The Kings haven't made the playoffs in like four presidential administrations. I think that's a pretty good uh, track record there to be coach of the year. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, wasn't he one of our selections for coach of the year at the beginning of us this season? That's our boys. Of course. Listen, he has done a phenomenal job getting this team to play as a team. And I know a lot of people were upset about the high scoring and I saw a lot of comments, but like, listen, those two teams were, super efficient offensively during that double overtime game. It's easy to be super efficient when you're not getting a lot of resistance, but continue. Okay. 
we've seen the Kings be efficient all season long. They're one of the best offensive teams in the in the leagues. And that's another reason why Brown should be coach of the year. I can't believe this was taken as a hot take. But that shows how much the Kings get no media attention. Ever since the All-Star break, you hear about the new race in the West. You hear about Denver. You hear about Phoenix. You hear about the Clippers. And you hear about the Lakers. And you hear about Golden State. They're not talking about the Kings. They're not talking about Memphis. It's crazy. The two and three seed in, in the West who have a solid footing right now in those two positions, getting no love. And I'm sorry, I wouldn't want to face the Kings in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to face the Kings in the playoffs. No, I think I'd take them. I'd take the Kings in the playoffs right now. The playoffs are a different kind of basketball, and we're going to get to this discussion here before too long as we start to round towards the end of the year. And as much as I love our Kings, and I said my whole deal was them make the playoffs, but I don't believe I ever made too many proclamations beyond that because I think the playoffs are a whole different ballgame. And the Kings for them as an organization and all the players they have on their team, it's just it's going to mean something. That's why if we talk any Cleveland on this podcast, I'm going to give you the same argument. They're a nice four seed right now, but they don't have a lot of guys on their team that have played in the playoffs before. First of all, how dare you uh, about talking about our Kings that way. And Donovan Mitchell has some stuff to talk to you about some playoff. Oh, crap. Yeah, never mind. Okay, so let's talk about uh, another efficient 71 points from Dame Dalla. Damian Lillard is back, and he is ready to go. In 39 minutes, he scored 71 points, 13 three-pointers, went for 14, missed it by about a foot and a half. They said, you know what, why don't you, let's sit down for a little bit there. I thought that was a pretty cool evening as well, gentlemen. Rod, what do you think about Dame Dalla? That was a lot of fun. I was uh, I was flipping around a little bit on a league pass that night and uh, checking that game out, and there was uh, there was another pretty good game going on at the uh, at the same time as Dame was getting all of those points. And then uh, Chris Haynes and uh, Mark Stein have a podcast that I've been listening to recently, and they were recording it at the same time as Dame was finishing. Then they got Chauncey Billups on the phone as Chauncey Billups was driving home from the game. It was all like a That's pretty awesome. surreal like hour I had there, but. What I love about it is, and Jimmy, you brought up Donovan Mitchell. I think I got to bring him up here again. Donovan, my man, you get your 71 just like Dame gets his 71, but Dame got his 71 and sat down with time remaining in the fourth quarter, my man. You needed overtime to get to your 71. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. There's so much news that came out. Um, I can't wait. Uh Uh-oh. That's the music. Rod, you're up. It's the Rod Damnation of the week. We have to, have to, have to do something about this situation. The momentum is dying. I don't understand no more distractions. But I do believe we should all follow one path in life. Hubris and ego and pride. Sorry, all that was a complete lie. I My Rod Nation this week is just something that I didn't think I would ever find myself doing. But coming out a little bit pro-coach. And my Rod Nation this week is to the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know necessarily what you really gain from bagging a guy like Nate McMillan and continuing to show that your organization is only being steered by one rudder, and that rudder is Trey Young, and I'm not entirely sure what direction that has gotten you. You made one kind of random Eastern Conference playoff appearance, and we have tried to act like you should wear some sort of crown because of that. Trey's going to be on his third different coach in only two contracts signed there, and the second contract is basically just beginning. I just think it's kind of a bad look that a guy like Nate McMillan gets shown the door when the Hawks are still basically in the playoff run, and 
really it was only just to try to get the jump start on Quinn Snyder and Quinn Snyder's a great coach, but you still could have had just as much a chance at Quinn Snyder at the end of the year as you had right now showing Nick McMillan the door this way. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Kind of smelly stuff going on down there in Atlanta. We've had a GM replaced. We've had a coach replaced. All that stuff's gone on in just one year. They continue to shop John Collins for two straight years. That just doesn't smell real right to me either. Just some stinky stuff down there in Atlanta. They're my Rod Domination of the Week. Chris King, at some point it's got to be Trey Young, right? Because Quinn Snyder coming in I don't think is exactly the happy-go-lucky players coach that's going to let Trey Young do whatever he wants. Just a weird fit, don't you think? Yeah, and what, he signed a five-year deal already too? So they're married to him for at least a few years. Hey, he's getting paid. He doesn't care. True. I mean, yeah, it's just Rod's right. It smells weird. I mean, they are over 500. They're in the East. They have a chance to be a top six seed possibly if they, you know, play smart. But, like, it's like they're trying to blow it up and they're not going to gain anything from it. There's literally – I see no benefit to any decisions they've made. Let yeah, I mean, and honestly, my past year. Sure, and honestly, not trading John Collins just for anything at this point. Like, what what does he have to do every day? He com- comes to work. That's really weird that they haven't been able to trade. Oh, the Phoenix was going to trade for him. Well, they didn't. Okay, and they could have gotten something else. But um, that's your raw donation of the week. We're going to go to the M- uh, We're going to actually go to a couple huge injuries coming up. One uh, really cements a team. In the Wimbenyama sweepstakes, uh, Mello is out for the entire year. Uh, that's kind of all we need to say on that. Uh, but LeBron no, James. It's also, it's also going to tank my fantasy team. I've won friggin' 10 straight weeks in a row, and LaMelo goes down on a Monday, and that's the kind of thing that's, that's the only thing that's going to beat me. Both of you gentlemen have been on the other end of some losses for me in fantasy basketball. Now LaMelo goes down, and it might take me down. This stinks. Yeah, yeah, my 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 team, my team. Yeah, uh, Steph Curry heard of him. Uh, Zion Williamson heard of him. Yeah, never mind. Uh, anyway, so uh, LeBron James could be out for the rest of the season too. He he heard a pop in his foot. He did finish the game, Chris, but he's going to be out for a while. It's going to be two weeks before they even uh, re-examine him, and then they'll figure it out. Not looking good for those Lakers, is it? No, no, it, it's it's not. It does. Really, it comes down to Anthony Davis right now. Either he is going to be the man and step up and take control, or he's going to end up in street clothes again. I mean, that's what it's going to boil down to. And I don't think, I really don't think Anthony Davis is enough to get the Lakers where they need to be to make the playoffs. Maybe they can squeak in to the playing game. There's some teams above them that aren't real good either. Um, But I don't see it going much further than that unless LeBron comes back a little bit Rod, before the season ends. Rod, is LeBron going to come back and save the Lakers again? Unless LeBron comes back, listen to yourself, Chris. This is LeBron James. This is a man that we have basically thought was a cyborg for almost the entirety of his 20-year NBA career. He said himself after the All-Star break that these are some of the most important 22 games of his entire career. Now, I know that certain injuries are going to keep him out, but I absolutely expect to see LeBron James back on the court 
quicker than we anticipate and he will come back better than we anticipate because this is what LeBron James always does. I'm not betting against the Lakers. LeBron's not going to be playing for a couple of weeks, but I'm not betting against the Lakers. I'm betting that the Jazz are trying to get into the lottery. I'm betting that the Timberwolves are not going to be able to get it together. I'm betting on a few other things maybe possibly happening. The Dallas Mavericks continuing to have their coach basically say that he's the same as us three on this podcast, which I think is maybe a bad sign for the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm not as panicked about the Lakers. They have basically an entire new roster. That's the other thing you have to think about when you talk Lakers now versus when you talked Lakers a month ago. They have basically six new guys on this rot on this roster. I'm saying the Lakers aren't buried. LeBron James is going to come back and surprise us all because he's basically been doing it for two decades. I mean, it's not a surprise if he does do it. Like you said, he's been doing it forever. I mean, he's 38 and he's still getting well, almost 30 points a game, seven boards, eight assists. I mean, it's unreal what he's still able to do. Russell hasn't played yet, uh, and he was doing really well for the Timberwolves. And you remember, they're in 12th right now, the Lakers. They're four games out of fourth. So let's just – we can figure it out, but I don't know. It's going to be tough for the Lakers. Uh, we're going to head over to the MVP table. I take my rightful place at the head of the table. Believe that. And we have a big shakeup coming up because I'm going to make it a big shakeup. We got to get rid of some of these people because I feel after watching this weekend's game, Nuggets, Clippers, Celtics, Sixers, you tell me why Luka Doncic is still at our table. I mean, he's got to go to the kids table. I'm sorry, guys. What do you think? I agree. Luca can be banished to the kids' table. We can tell him to go, you know, like, hey, Luca, man, why don't you go maybe have a drink at the after party or, you know, maybe there's a special dessert table over there for you. We know he liked to be a little overweight at the beginning of the year. You're, you're no longer sitting here at this important meeting, my friend. Yeah, are, uh, we seeing, are we seeing the opposite effect? Maybe the reason Luca doesn't come into the season in game shape is because he knows he'll burn out towards the end of the year. Maybe him coming in this season in top form – He's burned out. I mean, I can't think of another reason, but unless he changes something up quick and Dallas starts winning, I'm with you guys. Go let go have a drink at the bar. Go to the dessert table. Get yourself a cup of ice cream and call it a day. K KD, I, I don't think he can be at the table. I mean, he what 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 is he doing right now? He can't be at the table right now. Nothing. And and he's going to play tomorrow night from when we record, but I'd imagine he comes back a little bit timid. So, yeah, he's then going to have 15 games. And even if he does light the world on fire, I don't think it's enough of a resume. So my hot take of a couple weeks ago is not going to come true. And then and then Ja, good ball player. Love Ja. I, I, don't, think he's, I don't think he's on the table anymore. Chris Kane. It depends on what Memphis does. If Memphis solidifies themselves as two, right, and they don't slip back any closer to the Kings, and you know they 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 look better ending the year than they have these last couple of weeks. But I I would agree with you because I think I'm hoping you're rounding us to maybe someone else is, is elbowing their way into this table, or are we just saying there's not as many people sitting around it? Is that what you're doing? I don't think there's that many people sitting around it now. If you want to add somebody, they're going to have to come really big here because. What I saw from Joel Embiid and Jokic, I'm sorry. I don't think I would vote for Jokic. I understand three in a row. But that is a that is a that is amazing what he did. Kawhi Leonard as well. Amazing few games here. Needs to what? needs to play more. He's not at the table. I'm just saying that was a fantastic game. Leonard's not at the table. Don't worry. I think it's down to four. Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, and Tatum. Tell me, tell me there's somebody else that needs to be there, Chris King. Anybody? 
No, I don't think so right now. I mean, Ja would be the closest to be there. <laughs> Rod has an opinion. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. But no, those are the right now. They're the four best players in the NBA, in my opinion. Okay. Of course Rod. he does. Listen to you. Of course he does. He says over there. All right. Well, I think somebody just drove a big, huge Mack truck up to the restaurant, pulled it right up to the window as close as they could without driving through it and said, damn it. Maybe my team isn't good enough for me to actually win this award, but if you look at my stats all year long of what I've been doing, busting fools up all year long, I absolutely deserve to be at this MVP table, and that's Dame Lillard. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's banging on the door, but I have been told by you guys for years and years and years that the MVP has to be on a winning team has to be on a playoff championship contending team. That's what I keep hearing. It has to be going to win on the best team. I didn't say he was going to win it. That does, he doesn't. He shouldn't be at the table. He can be no, banging he deserves, on the door. He deserves a vote more than some of these other guys do. Like, like we just we just talked about why Luca doesn't deserve to be at the table anymore. That's the reason why he's not as cool as Dame. Dame just shows up and balls. Guy was hurt last year. We questioned his career. We have yep. all these guys that we talk about load management all the time. Lillard yep. just shows up yep. and plays. Yep. Stays in a small market. Like, what does the guy need to do? Right? Like, Chris, I totally agree with you that he doesn't deserve to win this MVP. But how's the guy going to get any recognition? So that's why. I've landed on damn it he gets my fifth place vote because I believe you get one through five as MVP votes he gets my fifth place vote because I feel much more comfortable giving a vote to him than some of these other guys all right Chris so here's the thing Rod has a fifth place vote who would you vote uh, over Lillard then I'd still put my vote at Ja for my fifth place okay. vote Ja Morant okay that's fair. Rod, I think you have a lot of good points there. Uh, I think if it was a humanitarian award for NBA, uh, someone you want on your team, yes, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, fifth <laughs> place is fine with me, but I think still uh, the head of the table, I believe, still has to be Joel Embiid. After I, I that, just that's saw fine him with me. I'm not going to argue everybody. Joel Embiid, right? I mean, I, I'm just emotionally scarred from riding the Embiid roller coaster of last year, but I just, I'm trying to get some respect on your name, Dame. Don't write a diss verse about me. Do it about Jimmy and Chris. I'm trying to get respect on your name. All right, Chris King, any issues with Embiid, or are you going to be Jokic and have this podcast go another two hours? <laughs> no, he, he can be the head of the table. I know Jokic put up that 40-point triple-double. I know he's still putting up godly numbers, but Embiid is just dominating right now. The Bucks as the Kings, the Celtics as the Queens, the Nuggets as the Prince, and the Spurs as the Jester. Same two weeks in a row. Three for three, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, Bucks oh. still haven't lost, and that's been the uh, fast break. All right, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Listen, uh, no, the Bucks still haven't lost. They're beating everybody they play. It's been fourteen in a row now. You are the Kings of the NBA right now, and even though they overtook, uh. Boston has best record in the league. Boston still won seven out of the last ten. They're still strong. They're not going to, and they're still a better team than Denver. And let me tell you, Denver is playing good. Jokic had that huge game, big win this weekend. But I'm going to tell you, there's a couple teams that are sniffing on that Prince seat. I really wanted to give it to the Knicks. I mean, they played well wow. against yeah, Boston yeah, the other night. Yeah. They won six in a row. They look to be getting hot at the right time pre-playoff. So, like, listen, if the Nuggets don't shape up, somebody like the Kings or the Knicks or somebody else may take that Prince seat. 
Was there ever a more Tom Thibodeau guy than Josh Hart, right? Like the minute the Knicks got him, <laughs> were you like, this is going to work out perfectly? Yeah. Yeah. And it has. All right. Well, um, that is – go it ahead, wasn't, It wasn't the Spurs. The Spurs got our uh, secondary emeritus jester position, uh, and they continue to build upon that. They still can't catch Houston, which is insane to me when you lose 16 in a row. How? Uh, the Bulls were last week's jester because they've just been a franchise of ineptitude. Um, this week, I am going to go with a team out of the West who really had a lot of playoff aspirations to begin the season. They've had some some issues. They have a, a big guy with an injury, but it's the New Orleans Pelicans. All right? No. No, it's not. It's the Mavericks, Chris. It's the Mavericks. The the Mavericks are sitting there with the big, colorful yeah. jester hat with bells ringing at you right here, and you went to the Pelicans. The Pelicans have been this bad for weeks. The Mavericks are absolutely the jesters right now because their head coach came to a microphone after they blew a 27-point lead and said they need to grow up. And then he said he's got no control of what happens out on the court. I'm watching just like you are. That's a jester team if I've ever heard one. Yeah, then New Orleans went out and scored only 93 against Orlando at home. That's pretty bad. That was their fourth loss in a row. Dallas was real close. I'm with you, but you you show up for a game at home against a team that you should easily beat, whether Zion's playing or not, and you only put up 93 points against them. That's pretty sad. Jimmy, how about yeah. the constraint I showed? They're too trash in the Mavericks and not saying he he shall not be named. Well, and they're getting their butts kicked by the Pacers right now. The Pacers are killing them. Their Pacers aren't trying to win. See, that's uh, ridiculous. Now the Mavericks are going to make me even more mad if they're going to let the Pacers get a W. The Pacers are supposed to be losing right now. Can't happen, Rod. Can't happen. Uh, that will do it for this episode of Balls and Brew and the Fast Break. We really appreciate you listening as always. And, uh, well, Chris King, I think, uh, I think it's about that time. Goodbye, Internet.